0: Get 80% off your impression
1: kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE.
2: You know, ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. Truth is, I really can't give away that information for free all the time.
0: I thought they were asking whether they should leave their wife.
2: That too. Well, go to MyBookie, check it out. They'll give you lines on all games. You can bet any sport. It's wonderful. You don't need me to talk to you. The Greek doesn't have to be in your ear all the time. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They're your best bet this season. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they will give you an additional $25 free play on any deposit over $100. You can use promo code MIZ25 join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar it's up to you guys but I'd wait until after dinner and take advantage of this extra 25 bucks you play you win you get paid take it from the Greek my bookie is the way to go
3: hey
0: Colin Colin are you there oh that's right. Sorry, folks. It's going to be a little bit of an odd episode because, uh, Colin, as a lot of you know, Colin is the first person in the history of the world to ever have children and a full-time job. So he wasn't able to do the, you know, the five minutes it takes to record an intro and an outro for this, uh, midweek show because a lot of people have jobs like the president of the United States or brain surgeons, astronauts, major league baseball players, keep them on the road all the time. Just really hard to work into your schedule, something that takes five minutes. Colin also can't do that. Now he's none of those things. In fact, he, his job, he usually gets home at about five o'clock every night, but he's not able to take those five minutes because he is just so important, so important. So anyway, I'm going to be recording by myself today. And what I'd like for you to do as the listeners, go ahead and tweet Colin and and let him know that you're in his thoughts and prayers as he battles the amazing task that no one in the world has ever had to deal with of raising children and holding down a job. So go ahead and tweet Colin at Colin, C-O-L-L-I-N-M-I-Z-Z pod, P-O-D. And let him know that you understand what it must be, the burden to have to spend five minutes recording a podcast once a week. Oh, the poor man. Just let him know that you're in his prayer. So, anyway... We do have other people that were able to join the podcast. In fact, uh, Chris Doring from the SEC Network, he uh, he is on a national television network and runs a national television show. He somehow found time to be on our podcast. That's Colin's podcast really. Uh that Colin can't make it to, but uh, Chris Doring can even though he's much more important than Colin. And uh, Bill Pollock who is sports director for the Missouri Net. He found time to be on on Colin's podcast. And then of course uh, Caleb the Greek as always wouldn't miss it. Caleb could be having a heart attack in real time, and would still try to make the podcast. Colin wouldn't, but Caleb would, and they're all available to look into this upcoming game against Alabama, which will be one hell of a shit show. So let's get into it now. So M-I-Z, go Tigers. throw, slam, this bugs for you, Mizzou. Johnson, and he's gone.
4: Don't get no better than that, man. Lock deep near side. Jamon Moore. It's a foot race. 82 yards. Touchdown Missouri. Boy, look at Crockett run Runs. His fourth touchdown run of the day. This is the Mazad on the
0: line with us now to talk about the impossible task ahead of the Tigers this weekend, Bill Pollock, who's sports director at the Missouri Net. Hey, Bill, what do you think? Saturday, Mizzou,
5: are they going to come out alive? Well, yeah, they'll, yeah, I, I think so. As long as it doesn't rain. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we saw what they can. You know, we saw what they do in the elements, but uh, yeah, this is just—it's one of those games. When you looked at the schedule, you looked at Georgia and you looked at Mizzou at the beginning of the year and said, "Okay, well, there's there's." I mean you have to be to be realistic about this. I've been trying to formulate for the the first couple of days here of this week you know what would it take for Missouri to win I, I don't even know if I have an answer for that and and it's not necessarily a knock against Missouri. it's just Alabama's that freaking good yeah I mean it's incredible yeah it's just it's crazy.
0: It reminds me sometimes, you know, when we bring in these cupcakes and we pay them to come to Columbia, and you know they're going to lose. What do they even want to come out of this game with? That's how I feel about this Alabama game. You know, like what does Missouri want to accomplish from having gone to Tuscaloosa and taking almost a surefire loss?
5: Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, and and they won't say you know a loss, but you know Barry Odom, I was at his press conference this week, and and they really are trying to stay away from the opponent. And I think what he's looking for is that this team can bounce back from that devastating loss at South Carolina, that they get back to their day-to-day routine, what they do to prepare for an opponent, how they prepare for an opponent, how they go through their practices, all of those type of things. And then you just, you turn it loose and you just let loose. And, and really there should be no pressure on Missouri all There should be no pressure on Drew Locke. He's been putting a lot of pressure on himself to to try to win games. So, you go in with no pressure and just, hey, you know what, let loose, play hard, uh, let it all out there. If you lay an egg, you lay an egg, it's expected. But you might learn a little bit about yourself, and you might learn some things, and you might learn from some certain players that maybe step up that you didn't expect. So, you know, I, I think it's just their mental attitude and how they approach this game. Uh, if, if they come into this game, and I don't think they will, but if they came into this game and just completely defeated and unraveled from what happened in South Carolina – uh, then you 've got some big concerns, but if they at least get back to being focused on what they need to do and they come out there and, and they give a strong effort, then I think that 's all you can hope for and then you then you start moving forward to homecoming against Memphis and, and at home against Kentucky, which is going to be a tough game and, and then you start moving on from that
0: yeah i mean I guess if if once you 've played Alabama in Tuscaloosa. You're not intimidated by anyone anymore on the rest of your schedule. You know, no one else is going to give you the shivers after having gone through that.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And the uh, De- DeMarcus Marcus I spoke with him and he said, you know, this is as close to uh, NFL competition that, that we're going to get to and that some guys will ever see. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the type of level there. They're putting it. I'm not saying that Alabama could beat an NFL team. We're not getting into that, you know, stupid debate, but just in terms of, of top notch talent, uh, in, in playing, you know, I, you could almost argue the the best player at every position that they'll, they'll face this year. And I think that's what he meant by that. So. Yeah, see what you're made of and, um, and go out there and play the game and not necessarily worry about the score, but, you know, worry about the process as coaches. <laughs>
0: well, indulge me in a fantasy here since I mean, the, the outcome is pretty much not in doubt. There's a 29 point spread. Indulge me in this fantasy that. Missouri somehow did the thing that teams have done in the past. This is not unheard of altogether and beats the number one team in the country. What does that do for this team? What does it do for the fan base? What does it do for Barry Odom? What do the next few days look like after a monumental win from the Missouri Tigers?
5: Well, it would it would be crazy without a doubt. I think people show up at the airport yeah. and welcome them back. Uh, I think there's huge celebrations downtown uh, <laughs> and it yeah. just – it, it rocks, uh, the SEC because now your college football playoff is completely thrown off whack. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the immediate response. What ends up happening after that is the following weekend at homecoming, they, they lose by three to Memphis. <laughs> they lay a they because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, t- I'm telling you, in, in the time that I've been covering Mizzou at, at my time at Missouri net, I mean, that's been the case. I mean, I'll go all the way back. Let's go to '07. If We've got a few minutes. 0-7, they beat Kansas at Arrowhead Stadium. They're number one for a week. Big 12 championship game, lay an egg, lose to Oklahoma. Now, I know they lost earlier in the year, too, but you had a chance to really propel yourself and do something big. You lost. The next year, they win at Nebraska, 52-17. Uh, they they turn around uh, and then lose at home against Oklahoma State, 28-23, 20, get blown off the Texas. Uh, 2010, homecoming, they beat Oklahoma. What do they do the next week? They go to Nebraska and lay an egg. I mean, it's a, you could just go through the list of, of these games where there's these monumental wins. And it's like, okay, this is the opportunity here where Mizzou is going to get over that hump. And then they just, they fall back down the hill. And, well, it dates um, back
0: to 1960. I mean, when, when they beat Oklahoma in Norman, it's like you said, people met them at the airport. They escorted them to campus in fire trucks. And the next week, they, all they have to do is beat Kansas to win the national title. And, uh, they laid an egg and, yeah. and the tradition continues. <laughs> it's,
5: it, you know, I don't know if they're cursed or what, but uh, Hey, I'll if, take that. I'll take it, that
0: scenario, honestly.
5: Yeah. Listen, I mean, even if Tua, has a bad game, even if they overlook Mizzou. Alabama struggled against covering Arkansas's tight ends. If Albert O has a huge game, Drew Locke plays out of his mind. They can't figure out the run game, which um, you know is one of the top run games in the country that the Tigers have. Uh, if all of those things fall into place, you still have the officials who are somehow going to screw Mizzou <laughs> and, and keep Alabama at number one.
4: Yeah, <laughs> that's just,
5: right. yeah. I, I was having lunch with a, a, a buddy today, one of our uh, uh, radio affiliates, and he said, you know, he goes, look, but it just seems to me like the officials screw Mizzou at every chance they get. And, um, you know, I, I don't like to subscribe to that type of stuff. I never like to blame the refs. But, right. I mean, I'm trying to think of a time where, Mizzou didn't get job done on a, on a close on a close call in SEC play. <laughs>
0: Boy, I tell you what, this season it started with the Purdue game. There were some questionable calls. Of course, they uh, debated the uh, touchdown reversal at the Purdue game. But then the Georgia game and South Carolina game just horrific, monumental bad calls with the replay in effect. That's what gets me is that the, the replay screws us. You know that the whole point yeah. of replays existence is to keep teams from being screwed. Uh, yet. Here we are.
5: Yeah, look. I mean, you can look at that Crockett run for the the touchdown, and you can look at it and say, "Man, I see a little bit of green there. Boy, he might be on." But I mean, there's certainly not definitive. Doubt. I don't see anything definitive that says, "Well, yeah, they, they got to call that back." Right. So I'm thinking as I'm watching the game, all right, well, that's a touchdown. I know they can look at it all they want, and they come back and say no touchdowns. Yeah. Now, I'm not blaming that loss on on that call, but it's those type of calls that add up. And and I think, you know, as a team and as a coaching staff. You know, you got to be like, what the hell? Yeah. What the hell's going on here? I mean, are we ever going to get a break? Uh, uh, I
0: certainly you know. hope there were some phone calls that were heated uh, from Missouri to you, the oh, SEC. Oh, I'm sure. Levels. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Now, listen. You can't take two penalties and end up back at the forty-six yard no, line. No, they certainly shot them. <laughs> you know.
0: They shot themselves in the foot. But that was that call was the start of where everything started to spiral. So, all right, Bill, Missouri is going to very likely have three straight losses. And uh, you know, we knew they were going to probably two out of three of these games would be lost. But we we blew the South Carolina one. Where do you see? Missouri finishing in the rest of the season I mean what what do you think is a realistic look for the Tigers after going through this tough stretch of games and a very favorable schedule or more favorable schedule to finish out? yeah
5: yep, you know I, I think um I think seven and five you know I, I think that uh, the Kentucky game and at Florida are going to be tough I, I think those are going to be a couple of a couple of losses you know I look at uh, Memphis that should be a win, Vandy should be a win, at Tennessee should be a win, and then really. Uh, you know, a, a toss up game in my opinion with Arkansas. And I know that Mizzou has had some success with them, but um, you know, at home, I mean I, I still I'm not ready to I'm not ready to, to bail yet on this team. No. I, I I guess I I wasn't happy with some of the, the things that happened in the South Carolina game and, and some of the things that Barry Odom has has done this year, uh, but I'm not ready to to bail on it. Um, I've kind of calmed down a little bit, but yeah, I, I think seven and five. But you know, again, uh, I think Arkansas is a toss up game, and you know, this could very easily be a six and six season. And I don't know what that does for the future then. Well, Bill,
0: plug your show for us so our listeners know where to find you.
5: Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Missouri Sports, and uh, I also do a, a daily podcast uh, that covers Mizzou, and I talk. Really just sports throughout the, the state. So, you know, we'll, we'll do some stuff on the Chiefs, uh, the Blues. Uh, we have a segment that's called Yo, what's up? And, uh, we get comments from, from Mike Yo. Uh, in that you can find best way to do that would just be to go to my Facebook page and it's, uh, Bill Pollock show and it's P O L L O C K to just search that. Uh, you can find it and like it and that'd be great.
0: All right. Thank you very much for joining us, Bill. Go check him out, but do it, as always, after you listen to the podcast
5: Well, absolutely. Right? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I hey, listen, I check you guys out. I try to retweet some of your stuff. I have to be careful how I respond to you guys because I, I don't want my bosses uh, <laughs> coming down on me. But uh, you guys do a great job, and you crack me up. I, I probably uh, I probably retweet and, and comment about 10% of the time what I actually want to say. So. <laughs> Understood. I love what you guys do. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, Bill. Really we love fun. you, too. Thanks for being on.
5: All right. Thank you.
4: We lived our little drama We kissed in a field of white And stars fell on Alabama last night I can't forget the glamour Your eyes held a tender light Stars fell
0: on Alabama last night. Well howdy, Caleb, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you, Brendan? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, I'm seeing dark clouds on the horizon for Saturday though.
3: It doesn't look good, does it? It's only it's they we got it at twenty nine points. If we lose by twenty nine points, man. I might be tickled.
0: <laughs> sure. I mean, against Alabama this year, 29 points would be, uh, you know, under the average.
3: Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. I'll take it.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it is time for your weekly segment of Caleb the Greek, and I should say beforehand that uh, Mike Steele and the Pedophiles, as I've dubbed his band, have created a new theme song for you, and uh, the fans are excited about it.
3: Oh, it's great. I've got, you know, I've got people calling me the Greek all the time now. Uh, Colin's walking around singing the song nonstop. It sounds like shit when he sings it, but mm-hmm. when Mike does it, it's wonderful.
0: It is a thing of beauty. You ready to hear it again? Let's do it. All right, it's time once again for of the Green Pick of the Week.
4: You want to make your wallet fat All the boys and girls alike They want to get them some of that It's a bearded lady pleaser It's the best picks of the week All you sons of bitches get rich with the man Caleb the Greek, Caleb the Greek Caleb the
0: Greek, Caleb the Greek All right, who have you got for us, Caleb?
3: All right, all favorites this week And we'll start off in the SEC Texas A&M playing South Carolina. Those scumbag fuck cocks from
0: South Carolina. (laughs) So we get to watch South Carolina take on uh, the mighty college station Texas a and Aggies there you FFA go
3: FFA folks or something yeah stupid name. they're kind of like in between being a word and letter school you're right um, but they're favored by two and I think they're twelve over two points better than South Carolina
0: yeah we got a good so, look at South Carolina and I can imagine you're probably right you say it's at college station yeah. or is it in uh, Carolina
3: it's, it's in Carolina okay so it may bring cats and dogs and fuck them over
0: yeah um, it's been so known to happen all
3: of your money on this game, but I believe A&M beats him soundly.
0: Okay. Uh, Well, let's see what our Kansas quarter thinks. As always, we have a 2005 Kansas quarter, and you'll know it by the picture of a prairie dog raping the corpse of a small child. And so, let's see what it thinks. Tails is Texas A&M, Heads is South Carolina. It likes South Carolina. Of course it
3: does.
0: Going head to head.
3: Okay. Who's it going to be fuck them and we'll go on to the next game we'll get a big pin matchup between penn state rapers and michigan state let doctors rape girls
0: so, yeah it doesn't roll right off um, the tongue but i get the point sexual assault's never funny
3: yeah i didn't have any i didn't think about it too long it's rape you versus rape you gotcha Going um, at each other penn state 14 and a half points Favorites Take Penn State on that one.
0: P- Penn State and the points.
3: They rate better.
0: Yeah. They, they get away with it better. Let's see what the coin thinks about that. Uh, we're going to have Penn State as heads and Michigan State as tails. And it also likes Penn State on that one. You're simpatico.
3: Great minds think alike. Yeah, even up. On mm. to the Big 12. Dog shit conference. Where we have Oklahoma State playing... Kansas State is coached by a two hundred year old statue of a man.
0: Uh huh. That's right. And
3: Oklahoma State 7.5 favorite takes Oklahoma State.
0: Alrighty. Well, let's see what the quarter thinks. Uh, do you think a, a Kansas quarter is kind of leans heavily towards Kansas State, or do you think it's just more? No, than-
3: Kansas quarter hates Kansas State. They they only. Only likes the University of Kansas, Uh, hates everything else. Wichita State hates them too.
0: Okay, well, let's put your theory to the test. We're going to have Oklahoma State as heads and Kansas State as tails. And it likes Oklahoma State. (laughs) As predicted. exactly. All right. I mean, he loves the
3: way, that quarter loves the way Bill Snyder coaches a football team, but he hates Kansas State. Yeah, okay. So we that going. Okay, on to the last one. We're going to swing back around to the SEC. And no, it's not Mizzou, Alabama, which i I'd like to bet, but we won't. Bloodbath. We're going to go Florida-Bandy. Uh, Florida, Florida eight-point favorite. Apparently, Florida is good at football now. Okay. They are better than eight points
0: on Bandy. <laughs> I like that action. Caleb, I uh, you know, I've made mistakes in this season of uh, picking against you and I've lost money. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll take that action. I, I do like it, Florida right. over Vandy.
3: Of all the games of all the games this week that if you if you want to pick the three lock
0: of the week, Kyle, I think it's Florida Vandy. Lock of the week. <laughs> Florida Vandy, you heard it here folks. The lock of the week
3: locked it down. What's that quarter
0: thing, what's that with my quarter? Quarter likes Florida's heads and Vanderbilt as tails. It, it thinks Vandy can cover that point spread. Stupid fucking
3: coin. He's quarter uh, just wants to get a Broadway party at <laughs>
0: Caleb, thank you so much, as always, that you're brought to the listeners by mybookie.com. Get on there and get your dollars matched dollar for dollar and an additional $25 if you put in the promo code M-I-Z-25.
3: Exactly. It's a great betting site. Get there, spend your money, make some money. Everybody's happy.
0: All right. Once again, this has been... Caleb the Green Pick of the Week. The cold December
4: Wednesday. New York City, town that's got me down to my last dime. And everywhere I go, the people seem in such a hurry to keep this mobile girl from feeling fine. Look what I'd give to see in Alabama sundown. the sun just seemed to drop in mobile Bay. Was way. No, no, that was joining
0: us now from the SEC way. Network, you are familiar with him every Saturday, along with Dari Nocum and Gene Chizik on SEC Now on the SEC Network, Chris Doring is with us. Thanks for joining us again, Chris.
6: Hey, good to be on with you guys.
0: So we have the unenviable task of uh, facing Alabama at Tuscaloosa this weekend. I don't know that I've spoken with anyone in the world, the most optimistic Mizzou fan out there who thinks the tigers have the remote chance of winning this game but that being said what does a program like missouri look to take away from a game like this
6: well first of all i, I don't know if, if missouri can win the football game or not but i'm certainly intrigued by some of the matchups within the game i mean i think you, you look at alabama and, and their secondary you look at how young and now and banged up they are back there you look at how many yards that arkansas was able to throw for against mm-hmm. them and you know, I've talked to a couple coaches around this league, and they've all said to me that uh, Drew Locke is the most impressive quarterback they've seen. You know, and in, in terms of arm talent, and I know that uh, Manuel Hall was ruled out today, or, or looked unlikely that he was going to play. But I, I still think it's um that's an intriguing matchup. Now, with that being said, I, I don't necessarily uh, believe that that uh, Missouri's defense is going to be much of a resistance as nobody really has provided much resistance Mm -hmm. uh against that alabama offense this year but i think there's certainly some things that i'm looking forward to to keeping my eye on but uh, i think this is a it's a great measuring stick i mean anybody that's a competitor wants to play against the best they want to go to one of the most hostile environments in the in the country and and see how they can do so I, i i imagine that Barry Odom's got those guys fired up to go in there and and uh, you know see see where they are, see where they stack up in terms of the best in the country.
0: You mentioned the thirty-one points that Arkansas put up against Alabama last weekend. Do you think those uh, you know that that scoring performance by Arkansas speaks to Arkansas's ability uh, to improve its offense, or do you think that there are some real holes in Alabama's defense that uh, better teams than Arkansas down the road might be able to exploit?
6: I think a little bit of both. I mean, I, I think you look at first of all Arkansas. The fight and resiliency that they've shown this year, you know, I thought after after they got uh, that embarrassing performance, uh, that lost to uh, North Texas State at home, where they threw six interceptions, I thought it was probably likely that they were going to have a, a long season and not be a, all that competitive with many of the SEC teams. But uh, held their own against Texas A&M, and, and the defense showed a lot of fight in that one. And then this past uh, week, going to. Playing Alabama at home and having the opportunity to to score what thirty six or so on them, I think that was that was a step forward. And um, Chad Morris's team is laying the foundation for the future. Once they start recruiting the kind of players that they want and, and kind of fill those holes with the the, the talent that they uh, that Chad Morris kind of recruits himself, I think it they got a chance to be really uh, competitive within the conference. So I do think to your question though, I think there are some holes. And I think even dating back. Think back to to that first game against Louisville in the post-game interview or halftime interview. Nick Saban talked about guys running wide open in, in the secondary and the fact that there wasn't a defender within five or six yards of them. He's been pointing to a lot of these issues that haven't shown up because quarterbacks have missed the receivers or guys haven't been able to hang on to the football. But there have been a lot of mistakes when it comes to communication in the secondary, when it comes to guys understanding their assignment, alignment, and passing guys off to other folks. So... I do think there are some issues in the secondary, especially now Travon Diggs being out. It makes it it makes them even more thin. And I think it's interesting to see how um, Derek Dooley kind of chooses to attack Alabama's defense. Because as I, I look at Missouri this year, they've been impressive to me in terms of the physicality they they developed and the fact that they've been able to to run the football as well as they have. I mean, going out against South Carolina the other day and running the ball for what 260 yards or so. It was uh, it was an impressive performance. I saw some similar signs of, of physicality against uh, Georgia's defense a couple weeks back. So uh, I think it's interesting to to see t- testing your physicality against Alabama is maybe not the smartest thing to do. So do do they go with a lot more wide receivers on the field? Are they trying to, to force Alabama to play in, in in a dime package where you see? How many of those, uh, defensive backs you can get on the field because we're talking about guys you know, that are, that are, you know, well down in the second and third string in some cases when the season starts and then having to step up and now play because of all those injuries back there.
0: It is interesting, uh, as you mentioned. In Drew Locke's tenure here at Missouri, we've seen a familiar pattern where he puts up big, impressive video game numbers against weaker opponents. And then when we play teams like Georgia or Alabama, the receivers, the open spots seem to dry up. Drew Locke doesn't have any success. And uh, this year, as you mentioned, Derek Dooley's offense has integrated that running game in a way that it hadn't been in the Hypo era. But we haven't seen that translate into... Big wins yet. Uh, obviously going into this season, we kind of looked at Georgia and Alabama as likely losses. But last week against South Carolina, as you mentioned, the, the running game was strong. Um, you know, the, the passing game had thinned out against the better SEC defenses and the running game stepped up, but we still weren't able to get over that hump. And it seems like a lot of Missouri fans anyway look at that South Carolina game and the fact that it was really a collapse in the third quarter of a winnable game and yeah. uh, put a lot of pressure on this season and the remainder of it, particularly after the Alabama game. Yeah. I don't know. What what do you see and what do you think what is a reasonable goal to say that this program is better than it was a year ago, this program is moving forward in the right direction for Barry Odom?
6: Well, let me let me say this first in regards to the game against South Carolina. I was really confused as to why Missouri got away from running the football. I mean, especially when the weather yeah. got bad, they'd had such success moving the ball on the ground and all of a sudden, the the rain's falling as hard as I've ever seen it, and you get down in the red zone, and you, you're throwing you know back-to-back passes to uh, I believe Alberto dropped one there, or one was out of his reach, and and I remember uh, I think on the two-point conversion try, throwing a fade, a jump ball out on the side, you know, down the left sideline. So I, I just I didn't understand why they got away from running the football. It is very difficult to catch the ball in that kind of rain. I can tell you firsthand. And, um, you know, certainly I, I didn't think that was the best way to go about trying to finish some of those drives off. But with that being said, you know I, I do think this is a season where, you know, a lot of people came in excited about the way that Missouri finished the year last year. I think there were a lot of people that probably deservedly so were skeptical of that finish and the opponents that they beat in the, in the latter portion of the schedule were not the strongest on their schedule. So I, I have been impressed, though, going to Purdue and getting revenge for what was their worst performance of the year last year? I thought that was impressive. But again, even though I know there's not no, nothing given for moral victories, but I thought the way they played Georgia in the first half to hold Georgia's offense to just six points, to run the ball the way they did at them, I thought there was a lot of a lot of uh, positive in that. And as you you roll the rest of the way, you know, out, out in the second half of the season, you get a chance to, to to play Memphis at home, which you know should be a winnable game. Um I'm excited about seeing the Kentucky matchup. I mean Kentucky was was um you know the blueprint was laid out for how you beat them in that uh, loss to Texas A&M the other night. I'm interested to see if Missouri has the the personnel defensively to to stop the run the way that uh, Texas A&M did. You know the trip to to Gainesville should be a, a, a an interesting one as as much as everybody's fired up about the 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 Gator the Gator team as a whole, there's still a lot of um questions about the offense. So I don't look at any game outside of um, Alabama on the schedule and say, "Wow, they don't have a chance in it." I mean, especially finishing on the season off with with Vandy, Tennessee, and Arkansas. I mean, I would I would think that um, they got a chance to to create some momentum going into the postseason. So I I I feel good about where this team is right now. I like, um, you know, I had a chance to be there in the spring to do the to cover the spring game for the SEC Network and uh, was curious as I talked to the coaches about you know how how this how this team was going to look offensively uh, how they were going to look receiver wise i think there was a big concern about emmanuel hall and how he would be able to take over as the number one receiver in that group um how you replace jamon Moore's production from last year and uh, i think they've answered those questions really well in fact you know, i was looking at some of the stats before I, I went on with you and this is an offense that's averaging more points now than they did last year now they're they're still you know getting a ton of plays off i think they average 85 plays a game and so they they have done some things differently in terms of um the scheme the passing game committing a little bit more to the run but i think it's made them an overall better team as a whole so i'm just um i'm excited to see how this all kind of evolves as the second half of the season plays out
0: yeah, when I listen to you uh, sort of lay out the way the schedule looks, it gives me a little bit more optimism, I guess, because I think coming off the South Carolina game, a lot of Missouri fans are sort of demoralized. Although, as you mentioned, you know, there's this three game stretch: Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, and we knew, of course, that that would be the most difficult part of the season. And if we were to get one win, that would be a good stepping stone to have maybe a special season. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, now, looking at the the you know having some of the season unfold before us. Some of those teams like Florida and Kentucky, uh, who, I don't know. I mean, I think there's like Missouri a lot of times with other teams, there's expectations with Kentucky built in that often aren't fair. And I think coming off the season they had with the change of coach, maybe Florida, there was hopes that they wouldn't come, have come as far along as maybe it looks like they have. And so some of the games that maybe Missouri fans would say, Oh, those are winnable. They're still winnable, but, yeah. but they look like teams that, They're not going to just let us have it any, by any means. I mean, Florida is starting to look better and better. Um, Kentucky, we've seen some of the things they've done and we were, we were not believers. I think you sent out a tweet and, and on our end, we're like, Oh no, you're just jumping on the bandwagon. (laughs) We're wrong. You were right. (laughs) Kentucky's for real this year. So, you know, I think what you're saying is true, but, but unlike last year, I don't think we've got just one dog after the other. Um, you know, Arkansas was a dog. Tennessee was a dog. Florida was a dog and we got them at the best possible times, and and I don't know that that's going to be the case this year. So, not saying Missouri can't do it again, but uh, they're really going to have to fight for it is what I am guess I'm getting at.
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I think a couple storylines for me this year, and then the surprise of, of Kentucky being as good as they are, and again, I believe in, in who they are despite losing that game in College Station on Saturday, mm-hmm. um, and then how poor Auburn has been. I think Auburn, their fall offensively is, is maybe one of the most shocking things to me in the conference, but the other big storyline for me is just, uh, how impressive the East is this year. Right now, uh, the East does hold a, a small lead in terms of head-to-head, uh, wins. Um, I know that's probably going to change this weekend <laughs> given some of the matchups that the East and West, uh, have. But, uh, I do think there's an improvement. And as I, you know, I talk about a lot, me and Dari and Chiz and, and our producer Brad after the, after the show on Saturday night, we kind of get together and we rank our, our 1 to 14 power rankings from that week. And, um, now, I think it's interesting just to see how difficult it is sometimes in ranking you know, the, the four through eight teams. And a lot of those uh, in my rankings have been teams from the east. I think there's a very competitive second tier in the east behind Georgia. I think Missouri's in there. Uh, Florida's in there. Kentucky's in there. South Carolina's kind of re- uh, reinserted themselves into that group, too. So it's not going to be easy, but I, I think I look at Missouri and I see them as a better football team than they were last year. And they. The record may not reflect that at the end of the year, it very well may, but I think from, from just the eye test, I think they've, uh, they've improved and, and they're a better team than what they were last year.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Chris Dorn, for joining us. I guess one last question before I let you go. Drew Locke, you've seen what he's done over the course of his career, the, the numbers he's put up in the SEC. And you've also seen, you know, some of his shortcomings or some of the knocks that people have had against him. Assuming all goes well, according to, you know, injuries, a decent record, those sorts of things. What would you say NFL wise? Would you project him anywhere at this stage to say where he might go after his college career is over?
6: Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know about, um, you know, where he might end up in terms of uh, a team. But I I, I think he's a guy that's a a top ten selection. I mean, I I love the kid and having had a chance to cover some of his games in his career and and having been there in the spring, I loved sitting down with him and listening to his honesty and his rationale for why he returned for his senior season and how excited he was to have a guy in Derek Dooley that had coached in the NFL that, that could teach him. More than what he already knew, and I love the fact that he admitted to being embarrassed about his lack of knowledge and and inferiority complex when it came to, to getting up on the on the board and, and drawing up defenses and talking about reads and progression. So um, I, I think he's probably going to benefit significantly from what uh, Derek Dooley is, is teaching him now, and um, and I think he's going to be a, a great player in the in the National Football League after that. I mean, there's a significant dearth of of talent when it comes to quarterbacks in that league, and uh, this guy has all the all the tools, you know, in terms of size and and arm strength and and uh, smarts. I think he'll just continue to to get better and better as he's exposed to more um, than than just what he played for under his, his first three years with Josh Heupel. So um, I'm excited to watch his career, and I don't think there's a a guy that that you can cheer for more than than uh, than Drew Locke.
0: Chris Dorn, thank you so much. We always appreciate you coming on the show with us, and we as all SEC fans do, enjoy having our uh, Saturday morning coffee with you and the guys on SEC now before all the big games get going. So it's it's a real honor to have you and thank you so much for doing it.
6: Man, I appreciate it. that. Means a lot and uh really uh, honored to have a chance to cover this league that I love so much, man. So thanks for the acknowledgment.
0: Come along and follow me I got lots for you to see On a Saturday night Way down in Alabama Down where the good old cotton grows And the old Red River flows. All the country folks Come into town Come on down and get a treat Away down where the people meet In the summer, spring or fall Down where the gal say Hi you all You'd better come dressed In your Sunday clothes Gonna be danced When the rooster grows Saturday night Way down in Alabama So there you have it. I think that um, nobody expects Missouri to win this weekend, but there are positives I guess we can take away. And people seem to have a lot of optimism about what the rest of the season may hold for the Tigers. Certainly, I don't think this is a talentless team. It's not a team that we've seen in the past that's been incredibly frustrating just because they can't accomplish anything. They just keep stubbing their own toe. So if we survive Tuscaloosa, we've got some winnable games down the road. I'm a little worried about Memphis, but it is winnable. So we're not giving up yet except for Colin. Colin obviously has given up because he doesn't have five minutes to spare. But the rest of us, we're saying go Tigers, M-I-Z.
4: So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
1: (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this.